where he's probably going to walk because the Trailblazers are probably not going to be able to afford him. I just don't think that trade was absolutely necessary for them to make. Hello and welcome to the Monday, April 12th edition of the TV on Basketball podcast with your host, TV. Hope you're all having a fantastic day and thank you for clicking on to watch or listen to today's episode. Before we start, I have to plug my other platforms. Remember to follow at TV on Basketball on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram on updates on the podcast and for other great content. If you're on YouTube, remember to like, share, and subscribe. That would definitely help with the algorithm. And leave a and turn on the notification bell if you don't want to miss an episode. For all my podcast listeners, remember to subscribe and leave a review if you're on Apple. And as for my Spotify, Anchor, and Podbean listeners, show your support in any way possible. I really do appreciate you all. I have an awesome show lined up for you today. We're going to be talking about... Some of the trades that happened a few weeks ago and kind of reviewing how those trades went for some of those teams. I'm also going to be talking about other news and notes from the NBA and there is quite a bit that happened this weekend. And then finally, we're going to end it off obviously with the power rankings. So yeah, an action pack show today. So thank you guys for listening. So sit back, relax, and let's get right into it. I hope that makes sense. But yeah, we're going to start with talking about these um, big trades that happened a few weeks ago and now that we're kind of eight nine even ten games in with some of these guys let's kind of leave a grade as to how they are doing with their new team I have five guys here I'm gonna be talking about I'm not gonna be talking about the trades in general but how much of a fit like the new player is on their new teams like I said there's gonna be five names here I'm gonna go through each of them and let me know down below if you guys agree or disagree we're going to start big, and we're going to start with the biggest um, guy that got traded, both um, in terms of name value and, and all-star appearances, and maybe one of the biggest guys like in general that got traded that um, day, and that's Nikola Vucevic, because as people know, he got traded to the um, to, from the Orlando Magic to the Chicago Bulls, and if I had to give a grade for his performance right now with the Bulls, it would have to be a B-. It's not because of what Vucevic is doing, because right now with the um, Chicago Bulls in the nine games he's played, he's averaged 22.3 points per game, 9.7 rebounds, 3.8 assists. Pretty solid numbers. And you could see, like, you know, him and Levine, I mean, obviously it's just a start, so they're still trying to figure things out. But the Bulls have been struggling. They have been, and you can't really deny that. And at this point in the season, especially with the way that the Raptors have been kind of falling off, the Cavs are not going to be making a real push, nor are the guys like really below them are, like the Wizards, the Magic, or the Pistons. At this point in the season, I w would have been expecting Chicago to be kind of further ahead. And in those nine games with Vucevic, they are 3-9. and nine, And honestly, it hasn't been like like instant results. And sure, I mean, you add someone to your team who was a number one guy in in Orlando for the majority of his tenure there, and you pair him up with Zach Levine, who, I'm not going to lie, he's trying his best to incorporate some of that passing game um, ever since Vucevic got there, especially that one Toronto game where he um, had 22 assists. 
but the Bulls haven't fully figured it out yet. Like I said, in the in their last nine games, three and five and three and six, and they just I just was hoping they would be creating that separation by now, because right now they said twenty two and twenty nine. Sure, they're in a play on spot. They're in a play in spot. They're tenth place right now. But the Pacers are are slowly but surely getting things going. They're only three games behind the Knicks. And with the team that they have constructed right now, having two All-Stars um, on their roster, they really should be closer to that 8 seed than they are to the Raptors at this point, I thought. Just because I think they're just too talented. And the thing is, I mean, the Bulls had some winnable games, I'm not even going to lie. They had that game against the Hawks where Levine scored 39 points in that first half and then they laid an egg completely in that second half. They got outscored like 30 like 67 to 42. Like that that's, that's just unacceptable. We knew when they brought in Vucevic that wasn't really going to help their defense. But you thought that the offense would kind of just be able to carry them through these games and so far it hasn't. Obviously these in-season trades are going to take some time to kind of assimilate themselves in and stuff like that. But, yeah, it kind of has to be a B-minus, and I think I'm still being too generous there because they are a better team. Like, they are, they have a good roster, and they should be better than where they are right now. Especially with Vucevic, they actually had some pretty, you know, easy games there. They, they shouldn't have lost to the Timberwolves. They really shouldn't have. The Warriors, I know they had Steph on their team, but that's some, that's a game that you had to take they lost to the Cavs as well like these are just some wins that are just inexcusable and it, it sh- they should be pulling away and I think that's like my biggest issue with that is that they think I thought they would be kind of far and away the number 10 seed but they're letting the Raptors hang around they're letting the Wizards believe they still have a chance when at this point it should be pretty clear who the top 10 teams are in the east so yeah I mean Vucevic Still doing his thing, still getting his offensive numbers, but I thought it would be kind. Of, they would kind of be further along um, in terms of success by now. So yeah, B minus for Vucevic. Like I said, being quite generous. But let me move on to someone who I think is going to have a higher grade, and that is going to be Mr. Gary Trent Jr. And for him coming to the Toronto Raptors, I have to give him nothing more than an A. He has been absolutely fantastic. I know the Raptors haven't been winning, but in terms of what they got in Gary Trent Jr. and trading away Norman Powell, who I will get into like his play with the Blazers in a minute, I have to give him an A. I really have to. Because in his already short tenure with Toronto, 18.4 points per game, 3.4 rebounds, 1.6 assists, shooting 41% from three, almost 47% from the field. And in this two two-week stretch he's already broken his career high twice I think having a 31 point outing and also a 44 point outing this weekend 17 for 19 shooting and what Gary Trent like what I love about this whole Gary Trent um, trade is that the Raptors have set themselves up for the future and they got someone who was on the rookie deal who is restricted and he's showing these flashes already he already is, and he doesn't just do it all on the offensive end. He plays hard on the defensive end. And he's honestly become already a Raptor favorite, which I told Raptor fans, you're going to like this guy. We're going to start liking this guy. And right now, he is um, he is like grabbing the hearts of Toronto fans everywhere. Um, 
he talks about Toronto. Like, he hasn't even been in Toronto, and he's already talking up, to, um, like wanting to see the fans and stuff like that. He's talked about how in his first three years, like he's not blaming Dame, CJ, or Melo. He's just saying that he couldn't get much opportunity because of the um, situation there in Portland. With the Raptors, he gets chucked into the starting lineup. Obviously, the injuries to Van Vliet and Larry and Siakam have helped him, but he's been showing the potential that a lot of people saw in him last year in the playoffs, always in the bubble, and now he's getting more and more opportunities, and it's been absolutely insane. And he already feels comfortable. He already has that um, Raptor moment where he hit that game winner against the Wizards. It's been absolutely fantastic to watch Gary Trent just operate, whether it's inside, where he's making tough contested layups, floaters, that mid-range is butter. And that three-point shot is butter. I mean, as a Raptor fan, I, I couldn't ask for anything more from this guy. And with the way, you know, restricted free agency is, not a lot of people are going to, like, offer him the big-time contract. I think the Raptors are going to end up, you know, paying him somewhere near the OG and Anobi level, hopefully. I really hope that's the case because I want to see him here long-term. I want to see him grow with the guys. And I think that he could be a very, very useful piece only at 22 years of age which is absolutely insane so yeah you can't give it anything really but an a and yeah like i mentioned earlier i know the raptors aren't winning but i honestly would rather be in this position right now than being like in a first round exit situation so if the raptors you know stay 11th they're gonna have what the eighth or seventh odds at the um at the number one pick get a high draft pick Maybe bring in a center. Maybe bring in a a forward. Who knows? But right now, I think the the Raptors have a nice young core there. And if things if things you know go their way in the draft, it can really do some wonders for them. Like I mentioned, forward. I mean, Siakam played horrible yesterday, but at the same time, when you got Siakam, OG, Van Vliet, Gary Trent, and you're missing that kind of one piece, I'm okay with the situation they're in right now. Next, we're going to go into Norman Powell, and he's been okay for the for the Trailblazers, averaging in eight games, 16.3 points per game, 3.4 rebounds, and 1.6 steals. And if I had to give this trade a grade, not even the trade, but the fit, I would have to give it a C plus. And it's not because Norman's a bad player. He isn't. He has been, he's still continuing his form from Toronto, maybe a, bit, a little bit less efficient, but that um, that's what's gonna happen when you have kind of in a limited role, but he's still been great. You know, he's still been good. Like I said, sixteen points a game, and I think they're just trying to figure out where they're gonna play this guy, because I because at the moment, um, Norm Powell has been starting, has been coming off the bench, um, little by little. I mean, from some of these games, actually, not most of the games he's been starting, but. The thing with Norman Powell is that, and this is like my um, criticism of it when he went to the Trailblazers. The Trailblazers are 29th in defense. They're 29th in defense, and Gary Trent being one of their better perimeter defenders, I thought would be a mistake, and just getting that extra body in Rodney Hood trading away for someone who is a very good offensive player. He is definitely an offensive upgrade over Gary Trent, but... When you already have a top five offense, when you have Damon Lillard, CJ McCollum, Carmelo Anthony, you don't need more of that. You need more defensive help, maybe a better defensive big man. 
because Nurkic clearly isn't looking the same because of those two major injuries over the past three years. You have Ennis Cantor, who had a monster 30 rebound game um, over the weekend, but he's not going to play any defense. And like I mentioned like last week, they brought in Covington, they brought in Derrick Jones Jr. That hasn't really helped their defense. And bringing in Norman Powell, yes, he like I said, he's an upgrade offensively, but defensively, it's another um, player who is 6'4 and under, um, and it's just not helping their defense whatsoever. And I know why they, they pulled off the trade. We I know why they pulled off the trade, and it's because he is a proven playoff performer. Gary Trent Jr. is still pretty young. He still needs to kind of get his reps in there, and the Trailblazers are trying to look into win now. But at the end of the day, like I mentioned last week, this doesn't really move the needle for them. I think it was a trade that wasn't going to like be the difference maker between them going past the first round. Because at the moment, they're sixth place. They're going to be matching up with the Clippers. And I see that series going one way, and that's the Clippers. And it's going the way of the Clippers. Because their defense isn't that isn't great, and they're facing off a Clippers team who has multiple bodies they get throw at you. They got two superstar-esque players in Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. I just think that this trade wasn't absolutely necessary to, t- to make. I mean, like I said with Gary Trent, I think it's a great long-term um, plan for the Raptors to bring in him. But for Norm Powell, who is going to be a restricted, uh, unrestricted free agent this summer, in a play, like where he's probably going to walk because the Trailblazers are probably not going to be able to afford him. I just don't think that trade was absolutely necessary for them to make. And although Powell has been producing, it wasn't something that they were going to, that was going to like really push them over the top. So yeah, C plus. Maybe again, maybe a bit generous. I could have maybe gone a C, C minus, but I'm going to stick with a C plus. Next, we're going to move on to Victor Oladipo. And it's kind of unfair. I think this is kind of unfair for me to judge him right now, but as of right now, I'm going to have to give this a C-. In his four games with the um, with the Miami Heat, 12 points per game, 3.5 rebounds, 3.5 assists, he hasn't really f- like gotten it going, especially because last week he got injured. I believe it was against the Lakers in their win, and he didn't join them for their road trip, which they're currently on right now. So I think it's kind of unfair to like give him a grade right now, but as of right now, he he hasn't really made that big of an impact. In his four games, you know, Jimmy Butler is continuing to do his thing. Tyler Hero, kind of a bit on and off, but it's still, you know, finding his groove there. And Oladipo has given him them some great defensive help. I know that game against the Warriors, he locked down Steph Curry, especially like in those like later possessions. But we're not going to see Victor Oladipo's worth kind of the same as Owen Powell until it comes to playoff time. And although Victor Oladipo hasn't been playing much now, as long as he's healthy come playoff time, I think this is where the Miami Heat are hoping that he will turn up. And they need him healthy. I think they're going to take it kind of at the slow approach. Obviously, they want to like kind of bring him in with the team to develop that chemistry. But what's more important is just him being ready for the playoffs. I mean, I think that was one of the biggest things with, with Victor Odebo and why not a lot of teams want to trade for him. It's because of the injuries, and it's still kind of showing now. But the Miami Heat didn't have to give up much. And they're just hoping that he can give them, you know, 25, 30 minutes a game. Maybe some games even more. 
but he's going to bring the defensive effort, a secondary um, shot creator, maybe a tertiary shot creator, just to help him in the playoffs. And we're not going to see it right now. Like I said, it's only been four games. But a C- minus, I think, is fair as a grading for Victor Oladipo. If I was at the Miami Heat, I still would have tried my best to go for Larry. I really would have. Because I think like Larry would have immediately helped them like just like that. But, you know, Victor Oladipo, they took a chance on him. He hasn't been bad. He hasn't been bad. But at the same time, we, I haven't seen enough of him to give him a high, like a higher grade. So, C- for Victor Oladipo. And then finally, we have Aaron Gordon. Aaron Gordon has... Um, been honestly a pretty big difference maker for these, for the Denver Nuggets so far, and that's why I'm gonna give him an A minus, an A minus, maybe bordering on A for Aaron Gordon on the Denver Nuggets right now, because so far in his eight games for the Denver Nuggets, they are seven and one, and although he is below his averages of the year, eleven point six points per game, four point one rebounds, two point five assists, he is playing so hard in the defensive end and. You could tell with just some of these wins that the Denver Nuggets are getting. Because they have players like Jamal Murray already being able to manufacture offense. Same thing with Nikola Jokic. Same thing with Michael Porter Jr. And bringing in Aaron Gordon, hoping that he would accept that role as a pure defensive guy. Maybe someone they could throw lobs to every once in a while, hit the occasional three. And it's been working out for Denver. It has been. Except for last game. (laughs) Except for last game because, yikes, that, that loss to the Celtics was ugly, ugly. Especially because the the Celtics went on a 30-3 to run in the fourth quarter. Yeah. But yeah, that was probably their worst game so far as a team. But as of right now, they're in the fourth position in the West. They were, on, they were basically on a seven-game winning streak with Aaron Gordon in the lineup. And they're only one and a half game out of the third seed. This is how good the Nuggets have been playing. And the fact that they, even in this position, um, I think has a lot to do with, one, of obviously, Nicole Jokic's MVP play. But Aaron Gordon's defensive effort, being that defensive anchor, has definitely helped them. Has definitely, definitely helped them. And the question is now, is that will this continue in the playoffs? Because this was a trade that the um, Nuggets made. But bringing in someone who is has minimal playoff experience because he was with those magic teams who went on in the first round all the time. But at the same time they have been um they've been good with him. They he's been like like I said, he hasn't really complained about his role and he's been playing it really well. So hopefully that continues in the playoffs. Hopefully he can hit shots when he's asked to. But right now Aaron Gordon I have to give it an A to A minus to A for what he's been bringing to the Denver Nuggets because they look like a more complete team with team with him. Although that means less minutes for Paul Millsap, it's probably better. And all that really matters now is that, okay, the fit works. Will it continue in the playoffs? And that's where we're going to have to wait and see how that turns out. But yeah, those are my grades for all these five players. Let me know down below what you guys think. Was I too generous? Was I too harsh? Let me know down below. Shoot me a DM on any of the social media platforms at TV on Basketball, I will definitely talk some ball with you. Before we go on to the power rankings, here are some other news and notes from around the NBA. Spencer Dinwiddie of the Brooklyn Nets. I bet you forgot he was on that team. Um, he partially tore his ACL at the beginning, near the beginning of the season. 
and he plans to return before either the end of the regular season or by the start of the playoffs. And I want to remember, I want to remind you guys, he was their leading scorer uh, when they made it to the playoffs last year in Brooklyn. They weren't supposed to make the playoffs, especially with the amount of injuries that um, that Kyrie faced, Durant faced. They weren't supposed to be near the the playoff picture, and Spencer Dinwiddie played at a near All Star level, and they're getting him back soon. Again, this is scary, but the the offense is going to be there. The offense is going to be there. The defense is still quite a quite a bit of an issue, as seen in that Lakers game a few days ago. But having Spencer Dinwiddie back will definitely not hurt them. <laughs> it's just another borderline All Star piece that the Nets are having on their roster. Um, let's see if he can come back because I think he could um, be like a you know a low key gem for them come playoff time. Alex Rodriguez, the Yankees legend, is now um, with his friend Mark Lore is going to buy the um, the Timberwolves, the Minnesota Timberwolves, off Glenn Taylor for one point five billion dollars. Glenn Taylor bought the team back in nineteen ninety four. Um, along with some other teams, I think the Minnesota Lynx in 1999 as well, um, and all the, and, other, and I think some printing company. But I know Timberwolves fans are rejoicing. Um, not a lot of people are fans of Glenn Taylor, one of them being Kevin Garnett, who he said that he would love to have his um, jersey hanged in um, Minnesota, but not with um, Glenn Taylor's name still um, owning it and stuff like that. So he's out. Um, Alex Rodriguez and Mark Lore are now the majority owners of the Timberwolves. Going to be very interesting to see how this turns out. Alex Rodriguez, being a from an athlete's perspective, wants to win, and hopefully, um, he could run this team better than Glenn Taylor did, and maybe this could be the start of some some good things from the Minnesota Timberwolves. So yeah, that's pretty interesting. Those news. Let me know down below. Do you think this is going to change anything? Um, maybe it'll just, um, just, you know, a breath of fresh air that they don't have to have Glenn Taylor around anymore. Hopefully this means some good things for the Timberwolves going forward. James Wiseman has an erupt end to his, um, um, rookie season as he tore his meniscus, um, over the weekend. And yeah, he is going to be out for the rest of the season. A, Tim a Warriors team who was already very thin now is losing one of their better big men. It's rough for them. Um, Steph Curry is doing his thing. Steph Curry is definitely trying to do his thing, but they are holding on to that number ten seed right now, especially with the New Orleans Pelicans right on the edge of their heels. John Williamson playing absolutely fantastic basketball. It's looking pretty tough out there in Golden State. Losing Wiseman definitely hurts. Let's see if they're gonna be able to hold on because I know the Spurs have been falling as well, but. With the way the Pelicans have been surging right now, you know who knows they might be they might slip out the Golden State Warriors. Elise Johnson, you haven't heard of him? Good because I don't think a lot of people heard of him either. Um, he was on a ten day contract with the Brooklyn Nets. He also signed a second ten day contract, and then after that, the Nets saw enough and he's like, okay, we'll sign into a multi year deal, three years, four million dollars. This is very Lou Dort-esque, you know, the one that he signed with the Thunder. Now he's outperforming that contract, and now he's probably thinking, man, I'm probably worth like 10 to $15 million at this point, which is probably true. But Elise Johnson, great energy guy. I think he was with the Raptors 905 this season. Not the tallest. I think he's like 6'7", 6'8", at the power forward position, but brings some energy. 5'11", 
fights hard. I think is someone who can get down and dirty there for the Brooklyn Nets. And if you need that kind of edge, you have um, this guy on your bench. I think that the Nets can use him well if even past the season. I mean, he's a young guy, and he'll definitely just give the effort every time he's on the floor. Patrick Beverly of the Los Angeles Clippers are, is also is out with another injury. I think that's kind of been a theme for Beverly this season, and now he's out another three to four weeks after a hand injury. Um, good thing they have Rondo because um, Beverly um, has kind of been very sporadic in and out the lineup this season. But with his timeline, hopefully he'll be back for the playoffs. Hopefully, uh, and they can and he can continue to um, give that effort, give that defensive prowess to the Clippers when they need it come playoff time. So yeah, just rest him up. Hopefully he just comes back healthy. And also, lastly, we have the Los Angeles Lakers. We have an update on the Anthony Davis and LeBron James timelines. Apparently, Anthony Davis is about ten to fourteen days um, days away from returning to practice and I believe um, basketball activities and LeBron's about three weeks away so right now as of recording we are on April 12th Monday 2021 Um, that means they'll be back probably by the start of May so both of them so hopefully they'll be healthy for the playoffs maybe get some reps in at the end of the regular season but a member no matter where they are in the standings the Lakers still got a chance right now they're they're holding on to fifth one game behind fourth, one and a half games ahead of six. It's going to be interesting to see if they can hold on for just a little bit longer. Just a little bit. And with their um, schedule coming up, you know, they got the Hornets. They got the Jazz twice, the Celtics, the Mavericks. Kind of tough opponents, but if they can get through that stretch, you know, the Magic, Wizards, Kings. Hopefully they can um, hold on and make it so they're not like kind of in the play-in situation. At least just make sure that you have a guaranteed playoff spot, and hopefully that go, the Lakers can hold on to that. But yeah, those are the other news and notes. Let me know down below what you guys think. We're going to end today's show, obviously, with the power rankings. I do this every week. Um, this week is kind of, is going to be like some, some changes, definitely some changes. Um, yeah, I love doing these every week just so we can kind of see how these teams are performing kind of on a week-to-week basis. And let's see if some teams go up, some teams go down. You're going to have to see in this week's power rankings. So, I mean, if you if you saw this already on my Instagram page, you already saw the power rankings. But obviously, I go here to talk into depth. Hopefully, it doesn't go too, too long because I talk about these teams like basically every week. But yeah, let me stop rambling. Let us get into this week's power rankings. Coming in at number 10, we have the... Um, Miami Heat last week they were at 9 and yes I know that they've, they've fallen but losing Victor Oladipo was um, kind of rough for them and that loss to the Grizzlies was, um, um, wasn't that um, wasn't a good loss but at the end of the day they still got some couple good wins there good win over the Lakers and the Trailblazers the Heat their main priority is just to get healthy that's it. And what's going to be tough about this week coming up ahead is that they have the Suns, Nuggets, and Nets. So, yeah, if the the Heat want to continue to not be in that playing situation and maybe start to jump the Hawks, the Celtics, maybe even the Hornets, they're going to have to start winning games. And this week's going to be kind of tough. But coming at number 10, Miami Heat. Coming at number 9, we have the Atlanta Hawks. Um, they're continuing to perform under Nate McMillan. 
they got some good wins over the Chicago Bulls, like I, like I mentioned earlier. The Bulls could not generate offense in that second half whatsoever. And Trey Young took advantage, scoring 42 points, grabbing 8 rebounds, 9 assists that game. Like I mentioned, he is becoming underrated. And they're getting these wins even with John Collins injured, which is crazy. And also, what's good about um, their current you know form right now is that their offseason signing of Bogdan Bogdanovich is finally starting to heat up. Over this last week, he was averaging 22 points a game, which is really good for him. And let's see if they're going to be able to maintain it. Um, coming at number f- uh, at number four, they're one game ahead of basically the five, six, and seven seed. So that portion of the East is really, really close. But with the week they have ahead, when they're facing teams like the Raptors tomorrow night, the Bucks, and the Pacers, these are guys right in your vicinity. And the Hawks are gonna hopefully have to what about maybe two or th- um, two games here to kind of um, keep themselves in that you know number four to five spot hopefully so number nine we have the atlanta hawks coming in number eight we have the portland trailblazers they've been struggling they've been absolutely struggling and like i said they're still scoring they're still getting the points off but it's just i mean not even like even like getting the points off too much i mean they lost to jazz 122 103 um they scored only 98 points against the heat and that defense is just not improving and I think that's going to be, like I mentioned last week, I know they, their fans expect um, going past the first round, same thing with the management. But with these defensive issues that they have and having basically three guys in their starting lineup, 6-4 and under, is definitely going to be tough, especially with Yusuf Nurkic kind of in and out the lineup due to injury. Just no, There's no consistency in that starting lineup. I know people want to say fire Stotts. Um, they've been saying that a lot this year. But it's gonna, it's been kind of hard for him knowing like how much change there is been happening in their lineup for sure. But they only drop one spot. I have the Blazers at eight. Coming at number seven, we have the Milwaukee Bucks, and another weird week for the Bucks because they um, they actually went on another three game losing streak, which was kind of unfortunate. Um, losing to the Warriors in that in that late Steph barrage, losing to the Mavericks and then the Hornets. I know the Hornets game, I, be- I believe it was the Hornets game where um, they basically didn't have any of their starting lineup. Yeah, I think it was definitely the Hornets game. But, you know, the Bucks, they're sporadic, man. They're sporadic. I thought they were going to kind of get into the top one or two conversation. And now the Brooklyn Nets and the 76ers are kind of, you know, slipping away from them. So I think the Bucks are kind of firmly in that third position unless they go in another, like, near double-digit winning streak near the end of the season. But as of right now, um, they're still sitting in third. Kind of had a rough rough week. That's why I have them at number seven. Coming at number six, we have the Los Angeles Clippers. They've been absolutely balling out right now. They've won five straight games. They are only um, two games um, behind the, the Suns, four and a half games behind the Jazz. Number two is definitely in reach. Number one, kind of a bit too far out of reach, but they've been playing great. Paul George and Kawhi have definitely been producing. The Beverly injury will hurt them for now, but as long as they're healthy from playoff time, they should be fine. Ibaka hasn't played for a couple weeks now because of some back problems, so hopefully he um, comes back soon and it's not something too, too serious. But the Clippers have been playing well. Five-game winning streak. They're at number six. Coming at number five, we have the Philadelphia 76ers. Uh, 
Um, they didn't have a bad week per se, but they didn't have a good week. <laughs> and what I mean by that is that um, obviously they went two and one this week. But the thing is, the that loss against the Pelicans, they just did not play well whatsoever. And I think that's something I'm kind of holding like above them. Don Williamson absolutely dominated one of the best defenses in basketball. 37 points that game, 15 rebounds, 8 assists. And like I mentioned earlier, the Pelicans are starting to climb. But in terms of the 76ers, I mean, Embiid is slowly but surely getting into form. Obviously missing 10 games. He's going to take some time to return to his MVP self. But I'm giving them more time. I think they should, um, with the schedule they have this week, when they're facing the Mavericks, the Nets, and the Clippers... It's gonna to be tough. It's gonna to be tough. But if they are as good as a team that they um, that they um, are as advertised to be, I think they will do pretty well and still stay in that hunt for number one or number two in the East. Um, but yeah, I have them at number five this week. Coming at number four, we have the Denver Nuggets. I was gonna put them higher if they got that win last night, but man, that Celtics loss was rough. It was their first loss with Aaron Gordon. They've been playing consistent basketball. Um, Jamal Murray didn't play yesterday, but hopefully, like, whatever injury he has is only day-to-day. Um, like I said, um, they are one and a half game behind the third seed. If they have another good week going ahead, they can definitely put themselves in that top three um, conversation. Jokic is still playing at an MVP level. The Nuggets are at four. Coming at number three, there we have the Brooklyn Nets. What's good about this week for the Brooklyn Nets is that they got Kevin Durant back. I know James Harden is going to miss about um, 10 days or so. But, um, yeah, they've just been playing pretty well still. They had that rough loss to the Lakers, and I didn't talk about it, but that ejection for Kyrie and Dennis Schroeder, man. <laughs> these refs, man. These refs have these problems, and I think the league has to look into it. But, yeah, besides that one loss to the Lakers, they still have been playing very good basketball. Big win over the Pelicans. Um, Colts went over the Knicks as well this week. And over these next few games, when they're facing the Timberwolves, 76ers, Hornets, and Heat this week, some possible first-round matchup that they might face here. Um, and also a big game on Wednesday versus their biggest competition out east. That's going to be a, definitely a fun watch. But at the end of the day, the Nets still played well this week. That's why they're at number three. Coming at number two, we have the Utah Jazz. And the only reason I dropped them is because they've lost two games this week. Um, but then they bounce back right away, winning their next two games. That loss to the Suns, man, those the Suns' loss and the Mavs' loss, you could tell they were struggling because they couldn't hit their threes that game. But it was a nice bounce back win because um, on the on Thursday when they beat the Trailblazers, they couldn't really hit their threes either, but they were still able to pull out the win. So they kind of needed that. Um, reassurance that they can win even without shooting that many threes. And that Trailblazers win definitely did that. And then they beat the Kings earlier this week as well. Um, back to their three-point shooting ways, hitting 18 again. But yeah, the Jazz, I mean, you don't expect them to go on long losing streaks. And after they bounce back, they're probably going to go on another, what, <laughs> like five to ten game winning streak once again because that's just what the, the Jazz does all season long. So coming at number two, the Jazz. And then coming at number one, for the first time this season, we have the Phoenix Suns. They had a 3-1 week this week, getting big wins over the Utah Jazz. Um, the Wizards, they beat them up pretty badly. And although they lost to the Clippers, they definitely did compete. 
Chris Paul and Devin Booker have been absolutely amazing. Um, and I think what I like about this team is that they're feeling comfortable even in close game situations, especially in the playoffs where they're going to have a bunch of those, especially if they make it past the first round. They're going to need to train themselves to be in that position. Chris Paul has been there plenty of times. Devin Booker still needs to get used to it. And they're pulling out wins nonetheless. And that's why the Suns are number one on this week's power rankings. But yeah, those are my power rankings. Let me know down below what you guys think. And like I said, for anything else I discuss on the show, let me know what you guys think down below. But with that in mind, I think this is where we're going to end things. Thank you guys for watching or listening. Remember to show love on all the podcast channels. Like, share, and subscribe. Hit the notification bell if you're on YouTube. And remember to follow TV on Basketball on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram for some awesome content. Um, school's still going on right now. Like I said, a couple more weeks. Um, once May hits around, I'm going to be um, putting out a lot more content on the TV on Basketball, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Planning some series for Twitter and Facebook as well because I haven't been nearly as active on there as I should be. So definitely look out for that. Also, going to be having the Friday podcast again this week. I'm going to be back on the Project Drivel podcast. Um, I think that's the plan. And hopefully more guests um, once I start... Um, you know, once school starts dying down a bit, hopefully I can get more guests back on the show and we could do some awesome collabs with other people. But yeah, thank you guys for all your support on the, on the Instagram page and this podcast. I really do appreciate y'all. Hope you have a fantastic day. This is where we're going to end things. TV signing out. Take it easy, guys.